Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio. We're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christianta. Over there, across from me, as you cannot see on YouTube, unfortunately or fortunately, is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing well. It's fortunate for us yes. that people can't see us on YouTube. We're finally doing a show in person. It's been way too long since we've done that. Yeah. Uh, we, we had a lot of roadblocks, but we were still able to record a couple shows. Uh, we have a lot to catch up on, so we're just doing everything today. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we know that the the MLB is currently in lockout, but we still have a lot to catch up on Yeah, with the uh, <clears throat> with the old Major League Baseball as uh, there were, I mean, there were some things that were able to happen uh, during lockout, like Hall of Fame stuff that, uh, you know, obviously we love to talk about. Um, but first, we must address the remaining 15 teams that we have yet to address about, you know, the... Uh, the free agents, the the end of free agency block, you know, uh, between, I guess for the listeners, between episode 165 and 166, what happened in the MLB? It was a bunch of stuff. So uh, we talked a bit uh, over an hour last week about the AL East, NL East, and NL Central, and now we have the AL Central, AL West, and NL West to talk about. Um, and uh, yeah, there's a lot to talk about for sure. And it's funny because uh, like the teams we're talking about largely were not like, you know, first place teams, playoff teams. It's teams that are kind of uh, emerging, which is exciting, exciting for the league. <clears throat> but we'll start off in the AL Central, uh, the <clears throat> defending AL Central champion, Chicago White Sox. Uh, the only major move for them uh was Kendall Kendall Graveman Graveman. yeah um you know quality quality reliever has definitely found his stride uh in his major league career he got they got him for multiple years right yes they got him for three years 24 million yeah a solid deal for for both sides um Kendall Graveman coming off a year in which he threw 56 innings and had a 177 ERA uh, 319 FIP, and I, I would bet his expected ERA is somewhere around there as well. Uh, what is What are our thoughts on the Kendall Graveman move? Well, I mean, it's definitely interesting because it just loads up the White Sox bullpen. I don't know what they plan on doing with Craig Kimbrell because I know that there were some rumors about trading him, but it's like you got Liam Hendricks, Kendall Graveman, and Craig Kimbrell in that bullpen as of right now, right? Um, which is pretty cool. Um. I think there are a few concerns about what happened when he went to Houston. Uh, his walk numbers doubled. Uh, his walks per nine went from 2.2 to 4.7 uh, between Seattle and Houston after he got traded. The, the strikeout numbers were actually up quite a bit as well. Um, but, you know, I mean, I think if he's going to 
but like he also went to a you know a Houston team that needed bullpen help more desperately. So I think that definitely had a lot to do with it. And I feel like his situation is going to be more similar to what it was in Seattle in Chicago because he's not going to have to be the best reliever in the bullpen because there's one maybe two people ahead of him in there. Right, right. Um, yeah, he doesn't have to shoulder the load. Um, it is funny looking at his his baseball savant is actually very funny to look at because uh, you look at 2020 he had a 5.79 ERA, 2021 he had a 1.77, yet his expected ERA was the exact same <laughs> in both years. Yeah. So that's uh, a. <laughs> That's funny how that works out. So he definitely got unlucky in 2020. You know what you should be getting. Yeah, yeah. It's like you always you always talk about a guy who's very consistent. It's like, well, you know what you're gonna get with Kendall Graveman. It's like you know what you should be getting. Yeah. <laughs> what 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 was his expected ERA exactly? Uh, three seven one. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you know what you should be getting. <laughs> uh, exactly. Um. So yeah, I mean, uh, he's a quality right-handed reliever, uh, in the back of that bullpen you know it's it's uh i mean it's good overall for the white Sox because a you know kendall graven quality reliever and b it's like now you don't have as much pressure on the other guys that's what an acquisition like this does yeah um you don't have to you know say liam Hendricks has had uh two days of work in a row you know you have Two more. Potential. I mean, if, if any yeah, two if, more closers. If any reliever can do three days of work in a row consistently, it's Liam Hendricks. That is true. <laughs> that is true. But say Tony Larusa wanted to save him, you got you got two other decent closers, or, or at least Graveman had some time as a closer. He wasn't like a permanent closer. It is very year. funny how the White Sox like biggest issue is Tony Larusa's bullpen management. So Rick Hahn's like, we're just gonna give him every good reliever he, we possibly can. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he cannot possibly mess this up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he cannot. Yeah, if he has just like the 2015 Royals bullpen, he's not gonna <laughs> mess it up. You can't possibly. It's like, imagine the 2015 Royals. It's like Wade Davis is sitting in the bullpen. <laughs> I'm trying to remember who like the like the other relievers. I was gonna say Luke Hoshaver, but he but was, a, good. He was a, good. Any guy, guy I think of, it's like actually that guy was really good. Yeah, that year. I don't know, Wade Davis had like a generational year in both 2014 and 15. It's like, uh, oh, here comes Franklin Morales <laughs> to close out the game. <laughs> Excuse me, sorry. That was said, uh, well, I was taking a drink of water. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tony Larusa. To be fair, he had a 318 DRA that year. But, you <laughs> yeah. know, but, you know, Ken, or Wade Davis had an 094. Yeah. <laughs> Tony Larusa tapping his left arm. Franklin Morales coming out of the pen to try <laughs> to, to close out. The, it was a one-run game in Game Six of the ALCS. The Blue Jays have the heat of their order up. All righties. All righties. <laughs> <laughs> it's Batista and Carnacion and Donaldson, Donaldson coming yeah. up. <laughs> They're bringing up Franklin Morales. Because uh, Wade Davis pitched in Game Five two yes. days two days ago. Yeah, yeah in Toronto. <laughs> Franklin Morales has not seen the game all series. <laughs> he is the most rested <laughs> in that bullpen. Um, yeah, that's funny. Um, so yeah, you you have so yeah you've got uh you've got Graveman, Kimbrel, Hendricks from the right side. You got Bummer and Crochet from the left side. Just, uh, yeah, very deep bullpen. Yeah. Absolutely. So 
good for the White Sox. Adding to that, I don't think there was really anything more necessary they had to do. Like they just have they have their foundation that they've like signed for many years, like uh, or just have control of for many years, especially on the offensive side. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. It's like they built, you know, they grew an offense. They home grew an offense, especially, and then they started building a bullpen and a pitching staff. Um, I say, if you want to still do stuff, try to sign Carlos Rodon at the end of the lockout. Yep. Because uh, he's probably the best pitcher that's still out there. They didn't get any starting pitching. And, I mean, Dallas Keuchel's probably still going to be in that rotation, which is, right. you know. <laughs> yeah, not, not, not ideal. Yeah. Yeah, so they got, yeah, they got. Lance Lynn, Giolito, Cease, um, and yeah, who, exactly. who's, who's going to be their game four starter? I wonder. I wonder if room. they yeah. try. I mean, maybe not because of his injury history, but maybe what if they tried again with Kopech as a starter? Now that they have so much bullpen relief, that would yeah. I mean, that would be interesting. Like, because he was he was a long reliever anyway. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I should. Uh, Every relief appearance was like two to three innings. Yeah, I mean that's kind of it kind of trained him to be to be you know uh someone who could start potentially i'm just going to take a look at his uh game logs real quick game logs 2021 if it loads up properly this thing does not work okay the only um, thing the only thing that stops me from thinking that is like i said like he he's had tommy john surgery in the past they probably don't want to push his innings he's still very young yeah uh what is he like going into age 20 like five or something yeah i don't know uh 16 of his 44 appearances were two or more innings yeah um and he made he made three starts last year he's going into his age 26 season yeah. Um, so yeah, I I feel like yeah, that's probably something that's above like Tony Larusso. That's that's mm-hmm. something that like the training staff will kind of consult. Not to mention, this was also his first time back in the majors after Tommy John this year. Right. Like if you look at his baseball reference page, it's literally 2018, 2021. Yeah, and there's there's been like controversy with previously with guys who were like coming off Tommy John surgery and mm-hmm. might be on an innings limit. Shout out to the uh, 2012 playoffs yep. with uh, Steven Strasburg. But, you know, not that – I know his innings limit was like 160. I don't think Kopech's getting near there. But No. but uh, I, I'd say Kopech gets like 130 yeah, at right. most. Yeah. Um, so, like – but, you know, everyone, uh, everyone can be different. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it, I mean, it would be a, it would be an upgrade over, like, Dallas Keuchel if – they wanted to do that. Um, it just depends on where the White Sox think he is at. But uh, they did get Kendall Graveman and, yeah, some some relief help once again. Uh, just a very, very deep roster. Um, and then, uh, but they were not the most active in the American League Central in the offseason. Uh, the most active was, or, or actually, uh, oh, yeah, the, the Tigers did not finish in second. We'll get to the Tigers in a minute. <laughs> Cleveland, Cleveland didn't really do anything. It's Cleveland. Yeah, we were joking that like, at this point, you would expect them to at least have trade talks with Jose Ramirez, but uh, not yet. Yeah, no, I don't think. Well, actually, yeah, the Guardians did not do anything that I know of. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Cleveland Guardians. <laughs> I keep forgetting that they're officially that now. I was, I was thinking. I was like, wait, did we say the old name there? I think we just said Cleveland. Yeah, which you know it works. I, yeah, I've been saying Cleveland for a while. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the Guardians. Uh, yeah, they have not uh, inquired on trading Jose Ramirez just yet. Maybe it's just because it's like when when they do have trade talks, it's for months, and then they couldn't do it during the lockout. So it's like, what's the point? Exactly. Um, I think like on the free agency thing, it says they just signed uh, Eniel de los Santos to a minor league deal. Does that dude like pitch in the majors? Like I've seen him. I've seen him in so many transactions over the uh, years. Aniel de los Santos. Yeah, like he was with the Phillies, Pirates. And now he's okay. Yeah, he has pitched in the majors. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, the Cleveland Guardians, did they do anything of note? Um, no, not really. They yeah. really didn't. No. Yeah. They, to be know. fair, that front office had a lot to worry about in the, in the last few weeks before the lockout. Like, you know, getting sued by the, the roller derby team. Yes. That was, that was troubling. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh. You can't be going out there adding talent when you've got the roller derby coming at your back. <laughs> um, it's just uh, it's too much to ask from an organization. Um, but all right, now to the Tigers. They after they made the big move of the division. They did. They did. Uh, after signing Eduardo Rodriguez to a five-year, seventy-seven million dollar deal, uh, which we talked about in uh, you know two episodes. Mm-hmm. Or three episodes ago, actually, yeah, we were, yeah, the last when we talked about Eduardo Rodriguez was the last time we were in studio, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so after after doing that deal, they signed Javier Baez to a six-year, one hundred forty million dollar deal. Um, you know, a uh, a defensive mogul, um, one of the best defenders. In baseball, always at the top of, you know, defensive runs saved leaderboards, defensive wins above replacement leaderboards, outs above average leaderboards. Whatever defensive metric, Javier Baez is always near the top. And along with that, uh, always, you know, for the most part, above average offense to go with that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure nobody is happier about that signing than Eduardo Rodriguez. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Um, You know, a, a quality defensive shortstop behind him is... Not just quality, like one of the best defensive shortstops. Exactly, exactly. Um, he gets, yeah, a hundred forty million. Uh, it will cover his age twenty nine through thirty four seasons. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, the we we knew the we knew the Tigers were going to be heavy on the shortstop market, and uh, they got a very good shortstop. They did. Uh, Tigers shortstops had negative nine outs above average last year. Mm-hmm. Which was the twenty fourth, which is ranked twenty fourth in the majors. Obviously, one of the worst. Um, and Baez is gonna is gonna fix that. Like he's like probably his biggest strength is fielding, while also being a solid hitter. Uh, yes, yes, uh, it is. Like I was looking at his baseball reference because initially I thought like maybe this is a little bit of an overpay, and then I looked at his baseball reference, and I mean I know. Um, that wins above replacement isn't like the end all be all, but uh, in 2019, 3.8 defensive wins above replacement. Like that's crazy to have in a season. Like that's I, nuts. Like uh, it, it's just you don't you don't really see a whole lot of 
almost four defensive wins of a replacement in a season. Yeah. Like, I don't look at D-War too much. The only time I really look at it is for, like, stat cast Hall of Fame metrics, or uh, stat head Hall of Fame metrics, I should say, because, yep. it, you know, it's available. But, like, 3.8 doesn't happen on accident. Yeah, no. That's, that's nuts. Yeah, he had uh, 31 defensive runs saved uh, from just the shortstop position that year in 2019. Um, yeah, I, I, I sh- okay. I think I should get more stats on Javier Baez. All right. Uh, while we do that, I'll just talk for a little bit. The Tigers have made a lot of, you know, this is obviously a big move, but they've made a ton of moves to improve their defense. And I think that's going to be uh, one of the most interesting things to look at going into their season because they have a very young pitching staff, um, a lot of which, you know, some of them have walk problems, most particularly Tark Skubal. Uh, Matt Manning, I think, also had some walk issues as well last year. And I think that, like, they're going to try to preach, like, pitching to contact a little bit more, especially with the defense that's going to be behind them. You know, Javier Baez, that's a tremendous defensive upgrade over anything they had before. Um, obviously, Eduardo Rodriguez, you know, I think it's 316 batting average against on ground balls. That just is not supposed to happen at any at any point ever in the majors. Yeah, um, exactly. And also Tucker Barnhart as a catcher. Like that's a that's a really good defensive catcher. That's someone who's going to help out a lot with the young staff. Like this, like I think you're going to see a lot of internal improvement as well as you know the new guys coming in and making an impact. And I think that's the thing to look at with the 2022 Detroit Tigers. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. A young team, as you mentioned. Uh, and getting this like veteran leadership and, you know, I know, um, I know Eduardo Rodriguez wasn't like a crazy big part of the 2018 team, but the, you know, two champions also two two teams or two mm-hmm. players that have been on championship teams, um, and played at least a little bit of a role in that, uh, also is, I mean, Erod pitched solidly in the postseason last year. Uh, yes, correct. Correct. Um, he did especially in game four of the ALDS, Game three of the ALCS of the ALCS, yeah, um, yeah. It's it it's kind of yeah. It's kind of what like heading in, into the off season we expected the Tigers to make some noise and and they're not disappointing whatsoever. No, they're not. Um, which is uh, good to see. It's it's it'll be nice to see some competition in the American League Central. Like I don't think you know. Obviously, they're not really to the White Sox level yet. But they're they're getting there. There's there's good reason to watch the Tigers next year. Uh, very much so. They they've got some exciting exciting players. Not um, to mention just the Hinch effect. Like I think we saw the Tigers outperform their expectations last year in AJ Hinch's first year as manager. Right. Um. You know, you get like someone like Baez in there. You know, I think he's gonna flourish under under that management. I mean, like who else? You know, he's played for David Ross. He's played for Luis Rojas. Uh, similar types of managers in a way, but I think AJ Hinch just has another level of yeah of they, managerial skills. They were they were pretty lucky to get him for sure. Um, and you know, as you mentioned with the with these young players like you know Mize, Scoobal, Manning. Uh, Manning, they're all likely going to improve. So as, yeah. if they keep improving and the team keeps adding these guys, I mean the level of improvement is going to be pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Baseball Reference War really likes Javier Baez. Since 2018, uh, Javier Baez is 10th in wins above replacement. Um, ahead of him is 
in this order. Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Marcus Simeon, Alex Bregman, Matt Chapman, Trevor Story, Jose Ramirez, Nolan Arenado, and Aaron Judge. And then it's Javier Baez. Yeah. So uh, one of the best players you could ask for, and I imagine he is first in defensive wins above replacement. Um, It would be a surprise if it wasn't. Uh, oh, he is third behind. Who cares? Matt Chapman and Nick Nick Ahmed. Yeah, who are two uh, fantastic defenders who have each won a couple of gold gloves themselves. Uh, so yeah. Um, Let's also not forget, like from I believe it was May eighth on, the Tigers were above five hundred. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll I'll find the exact record in a second. Cause like, I, this is a team that's also coming off a much better 2021 than most people realize. Right, right. Because, yeah, before May 8th, they were like... Eight. 10 and 24. Yeah, ten, they were 10 and 24. Um, they fin- From that on, they went 60, 68 and 61. 68 and 61. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, that's a... I mean, and that's without... Rodriguez and uh, and Javi Baez. Baez, yeah, and with a very young Casey Mize, Tark Skubal, yeah. and Matt. Like Manning. I think there's a reason to believe all three of those guys are going to take steps forward. Not to mention, you know, we might also be seeing Spencer Torkelson next year. True, we might be seeing Riley Green next year. Right, like some guys, like you know, like you still look up and down the lineup, and there's still some guys where it's just like, okay, you know, like I, I could see them having better or wanting better. Yeah, it also like. We don't know the what the exact results of the lockout will be. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, potential of expansion of the playoffs, and a Tigers would be a team that would benefit from that. That definitely benefits from the expansion of the playoffs. And I mean, even without it, uh, you know, decent wild card contenders. I I could see that happening for sure. Um, it's going up and down their projected lineup right now. You have Akil Badu. Robbie Grossman, Javier Baez, Jaime Candelario, Jonathan Scope, Miguel Cabrera, Spencer Torgelson, Tucker Barnhart, Victor Reyes. Um, I, I would love to see someone that isn't Victor Reyes in center field, <laughs> personally. Awesome uh, and his And his 284 projected OBP. Actually, no, that was his. Sorry, that was his OBP last year. Ah. I don't think they've done the Zips projections for the Tigers yet. I know they're doing the NL right now. Right. At least most recently, I saw they're doing the NL Central. Um, and then you look up and down the rotation: Eduardo Rodriguez, Casey Myers, Tark Scoobal, Matt Manning, Ty- or Tyler Alexander. Uh, no, and Rodriguez is the oldest one in that rotation going into his age twenty nine season. So this is a very young team. Yes, yes, it is. And uh, um, adding adding some veteran talent who are not like too old, like guys that are mm-hmm. still in their prime. Yeah. Very much so. Um, so, yeah, good move on the Tigers' end because it does seem like, you know, Corey Seager was uh, crazy expensive. He's, you know, we'll get hit into his signing later. And Carlos Correa seems to be kind of waiting. Until they offered they out. offered Correa 10 years, 275 mil. Uh, he's going to get more than that. Yeah, especially given uh, what Seager got. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's gonna get much, much more than that, uh, but yeah, um, good on good on the Tigers' end. They got a quality shortstop. It's funny because um, in MLB the Show, I play Road to the Show. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm you know, it starts off in 
2021 and then obviously the, there's the free agents and uh my road to the show player was on the twins and javier baez ended up on the tigers so parallel universe that's perfect it, it and you know in road to the show when like the defense is just ridiculous yeah that's probably gonna be that's gonna be javier baez in detroit yes, yes. but like in mlb the show i don't i know you don't play diamond dynasty but it's like you have, like, these missions that you have to do to unlock, like, certain players or, like, to get closer to unlocking certain players. And they make the defense absolutely, like, they ramp that up. Yeah. Like, it's, like, they make the greatest plays you would ever see. Yeah. It's, it's just, like, you know when you know when uh, MLB Network does, like, the plays of the week, the plays of the year, yeah. plays of the month, whatever? Like, they would be number one every single time. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, just, to, just like a 110 BABIP against... <laughs> literally yeah you do the, the defense it's literally like the cardinals on steroids right yeah yeah cardinals on the the 2021 cardinals on steroids yeah um so yeah really ridiculous so the the plays that they make people who play MLB the show know what i'm talking about yeah right exactly um yeah javier buys to the tigers and then uh as for the rest of the al central uh i mean the royals you know they're just kind of be in the Royals. I don't, I don't know what else. Yeah. Um, this is, I mean, they were my sleeper team going into 2021 and it, they, they looked great for a month. They did. They were 16 and nine. Yeah, they were. Um, I'm trying to see. I know they signed uh, Taylor Clark to be in their bullpen. Um, that was about it. Yeah. They, they've done really nothing. The Minnesota Twins... Meanwhile, um, they oh, got- the Royal actually, I want to like the Royals are also going to have a very young team. Uh, they have um, MJ Melendez, who's probably going to be coming up next year. Catcher, who I want to say had like a 160 weighted runs created plus in the minors last year. Uh, yeah, you you mentioned you mentioned him earlier. He's he almost had like 40 home runs in the minors, something like that. Uh, he was crazy good. They have, I think his name is Nick Prado, who's a first baseman. He's also a top prospect in the organization, top 100 in the league. Um, I think, I think that's the Royals' end game this year. Is just here's some young guys. Let's see how they can develop because that's kind of how they built their team last year, or not last year, but last yeah. time they were competitive. Yeah, keep developing. You know, Brady Singer, mm-hmm. Nicky Lopez. Um, Bobby Wood Jr. Bobby Wood. Oh yes, Bobby Wood Jr. We're probably going to see him this year. We definitely are going to see him this year. Yeah, pending any disaster. Because yeah, for tw- not. he was drafted in 2019. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that will be that will be very exciting. You know, he'll he'll be a player to watch. Um, we're gonna have the the Whit Merrifield Bobby Wood Jr. infield. Yeah, that's true. Unless unless uh, you know what they might put Mondesi at shortstop or Lopez. Right. Yeah, no, they put Lopez. That's that's wrong. They would put Lopez in the middle infield for sure. Yeah, they Fan, would. Fangraphs has Witt playing third. Bobby Witt, I should say. <laughs> yeah, Witt, Witt Merrifield at second. Lopez at short. They have Mondesi DHing, which is very funny. That that is funny. <laughs> it's like yeah, well, it's like you look at this team. You got Carlos Santana. You got Hunter Dozier. You got Salvador Perez. You know who the DH is? At Alberto Mondesi. <laughs> That's only, that's actually really funny. Yeah. Uh <laughs> So so yeah, the Royals they're continuing continuously building. The Twins, they signed they uh extended Byron Buxton 
for a seven-year, $100 million contract. Um, I, I have to like it for both sides. Yeah. Like some say, you know, Buxton got it has It has pay. potential to be a steal. Very, very because you do have to keep in mind Buxton's injury history. Exactly. Like yeah. that is as much you know as much as you want to just look at the numbers on the surface and say he had like one of the best slugging percentages over the last two years, which he did, but like that is a large large part of it is that he hasn't been able to stay healthy uh, over the last two years and kind of just as as much as it hurts to say it throughout most of his career. Right. Exactly. Um, since 2018. He has played 215 games. Yeah. Um, that's an average of 54, and I know there was a 60-game season in there. But but even then, he played 39 games in 2020. Yeah. Um, so, but when he does play, when he, I mean, since 2018, he has an 833 OPS, 121 OPS plus, and a few isolated scenes. I mean, if you, wait, are you saying since 2018 he has that OPS? OPS. Uh, I, but was your parameter 2018? Yeah, but take, if take you isolate, take 2018 out of if there. You isolate take that. 2018 out of there. I don't want to look at that. So if you isolate it since 2019, yeah. 897 OPS, 137 OPS plus, um, in 187 games, along with you know literal platinum glove defense. Yes. Uh, you know, like <laughs> if if he if he pl- if he was healthy, he'd be like a top five player in the game. It's, it's absolutely crazy. it's crazy and what was the what was the deal like seven years 115 mil or something like that 110 One, mil 100 flat oh my god 100 flat what? so around 13 million a year um so it has very big steel potential because as we mentioned if he was healthy he has top five player potential but he's not not healthy and he hasn't been fully healthy since 2017 um, yeah, and uh, but you know the reason they sign him for seven years is because he's going into his age twenty eight season, so that covers age twenty eight through thirty four. This is what should be his prime, and if he's healthy for his prime, you got to watch out. You got to watch out. Uh, yeah, like Byron Buxton, one of the weirdest players in the league, for sure. Absolutely, but you know what? I'm happy for him. I'm happy that he got. I'm happy that he got paid. Yeah. Oh, but- it's also his birthday today. Happy, oh, nice. happy birthday, Byron Buxton. 28 yeah. years old. And he's still got so much left in him. Yeah, seven years, 100 flat. Wow. Yeah. Um, so potential for a big steal, but uh, you can't be upset if you're Byron mm-hmm. Buxton. No. For sure. Uh, he got his $100 million and, um I do feel bad for how much he probably could have missed out on if he if he stayed on the field. Exactly. Like we could be looking at a much, we would be looking at a much different contract if he played out the entire. Honestly, just the entire twenty twenty one season. Oh yeah, like uh, like even with the twenty eighteen, nineteen, and twenty injuries. Like, you know, Baseball Reference War had him at four and a half wins above replacement. If he had just played double the games, which would have only been one hundred twenty two games, that's a nine win season. Yeah. I mean, not saying that's that assuming he stayed on that pace. Let's say he doesn't. It's a seven-win season. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's a seven-win season. Like, I think Correa this year had seven point three. Yeah, and he's looking for like three hundred mil. Yes. Yeah, like we could be talking at least. He could have made double that if he just stayed on the field, which is so crazy to think about. Yeah. Exactly. Like you have that recency bias. You have the fact that he's going into a contract year, 
that the Twins look very bleak without him, as we saw last year. Right. Yeah, it That's is. the part that hurts. Yes, it does. It does, especially, like, seeing what he can do. He was second on the Twins in B-War, and he played 61 games. Unbelievable. Yeah, he was, I think he led all my players to watch in B-War. <laughs> and he played 61 games. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, quite unreal, for sure. So, yeah, uh, in conclusion, good for Buxton, good for the Twins. And yeah. uh, we will see. I mean, yeah, we we hope for we hope that contract turns out well. I mean, he he has potential. Like we've been talking about it, potential while staying healthy to be just one mm-hmm. of the best players in baseball. Yeah, and uh, not a lot of people talk about that. Um, all right, on to the NL West. Uh, the defending NL West champions. Disappointing. Ah, would you say that? Yes. Okay. I mean, they re like we already talked about that the fact that they re-signed Disclafani, they re-signed Wood, they signed Alex Cobb, which I think is going to be one of the better value pickups, uh, of the year. It was a two-year contract. If you look at his peripherals last year, he was awesome. They also uh, re-signed Brandon Belt, and I don't think people realize how good Brandon Belt is offensively. Right. Oh yeah. I forgot that they re-signed uh, Brandon Belt. I think I think you're looking too much at the fact that they had a 107-win season. Um, potentially. What do you mean? Like uh, the fact that you're disappointed by them. Disappointed by the Giants. In the for the off season, yeah. Okay. Because all right, I'm looking at I'm looking at their team. Uh, they don't have. Actually, I'm looking at their salaries right now. They don't have any guaranteed money past 2024, which I don't know if that's necessarily a good or bad a good or bad thing, but like they don't have a lot of like guaranteed money being thrown out there. Their estimated total payroll without options uh this upcoming year is 119 and a half million dollars. Uh the Dodgers aren't getting too much worse and you know, they uh they lost out on their best pitcher, and they didn't get another ace-type pitcher to, to uh, complement that. The fact that they lost Kevin Gosman, uh, you know, the fact that they weren't out there trying to get Kevin Gosman the same way other teams were, especially when he went for only $110 million, and the Giants are not a small market team, uh, that's disappointing to me. Okay, so counterpoint, they have an ace pitcher. They do. And how much is he making next year? Uh, $500,000. And his name is Logan Webb. Hey, you know you know what team wouldn't care about having two ace pitchers? The Los Angeles Dodgers. That's true. And that's why, the, that's why you know what? That's why the Dodgers are going to win the West the, next year. Because they would have the initi- initiative to have two ace pitchers. But Who's, who's going to be their ace next year? Bueller, and then who's going to be their second ace? Well, not it will not next year, but you know the reason that they won, whatever eight uh, eight titles in a row. I mean, I I do like the Giants' like analytical department. I do like that they mm-hmm. have been able to to develop players well, but um, Kevin Gosman was a guy that they you know were able to develop well uh, and change the pace of his career over two years, and they did not they were not aggressive enough with him. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you have to keep in mind, like you're talking about, like the the payroll not being what it used to be. Like two of their biggest, their highest paid players are off the books this year with Buster Posey and with Johnny Cueto. Right. Like, that is a large part of it. Um, and obviously, like not only that, but you you talk about not having guaranteed money past 2024 or whatever it was. Like, don't forget that all of their great players last year were 30 and up. Yeah. Like Brandon Crawford. While he was healthy, Evan Longoria, I think, Brandon Belt. I just... think that's even more reason to go after free agents now. Interesting. Be- because you know, you know, I, I know that they've kind of revamped their careers a little bit, but that can only last so long when you're in when you're in your mid to late thirties. So you know, you, you're not going to be able to rely on guys like Longoria, uh, like yeah, guys like Longoria, Belt, Posey, Crawford, just having very good years for you. So. When there's a guy who I believe Kevin Gosman was going into his age 30 season this year, when you have someone like that who you have developed in the past couple of years and you know isn't going to break the bank too much, like maybe your payroll goes up into the 140s, which is not a problem for the Giants, uh, definitely not a problem with the luxury tax uh, at its current state, uh, very very far from it actually. Um, you know you need to be aggressive, and if and if you know they they fell out on uh, Kevin Gosman. Robbie Ray was still out there and they didn't, they, I, I don't think there was any connection between him and the giants. Um, you know, you do have Logan Webb. Uh, you've, you've re-signed Desclafani and Alex Wood, but well, also getting Alex Cobb who had like, I'll, t- I'll get into him later, but he had some very good numbers. Yeah. Like I think mo- better than everyone would think. Right. Um, but you know, the Giants, like you're expected to win now, so you know you 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 got you got to make the big boy move and get Kevin Gosman, and they didn't do it. And I'm a little dis. If I were a Giants fan, I'd be very disappointed by that. Um, how you know? I think they'll do well next year, but not as well as they, not as well as they should have. Okay, so let me just get into Alex Cobb real quick, um, because I want you to keep in mind this is a guy whose two most recent teams that he played for were the Orioles and the Angels, which are two of the worst teams for developing pitchers and for just, and for, you know, improving. Yeah, we, yeah. You, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. The Giants, they revamped, you know, they, they they made Alex Wood have a have a career year or close to that. They brought back Anthony DiSclefani when he hadn't been too great for a couple of years. They made Logan Webb possibly into a top 10 pitcher in baseball in a year. I think you can make that case. Yeah. Alex Cobb with the Angels last year, uh, 93 and a third innings pitched, 9.5 strikeouts per nine, and his career high was 8.4. His and his and by the way, that was 2013. So it's not like it was anything recent. 3.2 walks per nine. Uh, a difference. The difference between his ERA and his FIP, 84 points, on the unlucky side. Yep. So he had an ERA of 3.76, a FIP of 2.92. I think that's going to balance itself out much more in San Francisco. There's a more favorable ballpark there. The Giants are going to are going to do what they do with with whatever labs that they have. I think that you know you're certainly not going to replace Kevin Gosman, but Alex Cobb is they like they can make a case. They're going to forget about him with what he's going to do, while Logan Webb is also going to serve as the ace. They should have gotten both. Fair. They should have gotten both. That's Cobb fair. I'm not going to disagree with that. I don't think dis. I think disappointing is a bit of a stretch of a word to use, but you're you're absolutely right in saying 
there was no there was no reason not to even try with Gosman or Ray. Right. Yeah. Okay. Like, uh, especially given the the market of the of the uh, San Francisco Giants and how historically they've been able to um, get big money free agents. Um, I don't think anything has changed in the past whatever five years. I don't think that anything's changed since they signed guys like Matt Cain and Johnny Cueto. Um, I know the Matt Cain one didn't work. The Matt Cain no. and Johnny Cueto ones nope. didn't work out great, but like Kevin Gosman, I think has uh, has better potential than those two, uh, especially at his age. But uh, you know, I think yeah, I think what just what's just staring at me is. Like their estimated payroll is 119 million. Mm-hmm. That's half of what the Dodgers are paying. It's and it's like 90 million away from the luxury tax. Yeah, and uh, I don't think money is a problem for the San Francisco Giants, but uh, you know we'll see how it we'll see how it goes. There's not really any outside of like maybe Carlos Rodon. There's not really any other free agent guys out there. Maybe they trade for someone midseason. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, they're not going to have a bad rotation at all. That's not what I'm saying. Um, I think it's just like that's – I feel like that's a move they had to make and uh, they didn't make it. Either him or Robbie Ray. Mm-hmm. Um, and it uh, did not happen. Or even like Max Scherzer. But obviously he went to the Mets. Yeah. Um, and also that was just uh, – like that was a bank-breaking move. Yes. Yes, it was. That would have like, yeah, actually broke the bank. Um, all right. So – the Giants did get Alex Cobb. Like, yeah, I, I guess, like, there's potential of, like, Alex Cobb is a better value guy. Like, than Kevin him, Gosman. Him making $9 million over, like, Gosman making $22 million. Over, make, over him making $22 million. Um, But, uh, you know, I don't think there's a, a great excuse to not get both pitchers. But anyway, uh, on to the Dodgers who. Um, did actually did less than actually did less than the Giants. You could argue, I think. Dodgers. Yeah. 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 They did. They got. I mean, they re-signed Chris Taylor. That's true. Yeah. But also, the Dodgers have so many free agents. Like they have so many free agents. Guys still out there, like Kenley Jansen and. Yeah, dude. And like Kenley Kers- Jansen is out there. Kenley Jansen and Clayton Kershaw are out there. Clay- yeah, Kenley Jansen is out there. Clayton Kershaw is out there. Like, Corey Seager's already gone, obviously. Like when you think of. The 2010s Dodgers, like maybe the two most prominent guys who have stuck around. Justin Turner's out there too. Yeah, I think right. Uh, or was it, was that a two-year deal that he agreed to last year? Yeah, it might have been two or three. I'm not sure. Um, I'll check. Yeah, I th- yeah I, th- I yeah I think he's still on the team. Um, okay. But Kershaw and and Kenley Jansen are both yeah, he out, is there. Still out there. He's projected to be the three hitter at age 37. Um, they're, uh, and yeah, Scherzer and Seager off the market currently, uh, Chris, T- getting Chris Taylor was a, was a good move, but I think it was a move they had to make. Mm-hmm. Um, like you, you need someone like that, uh, back. You know, it's very right funny if we, when you look up and down their projected lineup, it's still like this team is so good. Right. And I would say their biggest move for 2022 was made, uh, in 2021 with like Trey Turner. Yeah, like that's yep. That's one of the best players in baseball, and they you have got him for him. another year. They got him mid-season, so it's like doesn't even have to worry about. Don't even have to really worry about that. And I mean, not to uh, sour the mood, but I mean, there's they're gonna be probably like 
no matter what you think about the guy, you're, they're probably getting a, a certain pitcher that they had last year back. Um, pitching, he's probably going to be back on the major league mound. So that's another addition to think about. Um, and then, uh, and is Dustin May going to come back like a midseason, or is he out for t- until twenty twenty three? Um, if he does come back, I, I don't probably think like it's September. Be, yeah. I don't think it's going to be for that long. Yeah, no. Um, but yeah, the. They, I mean, they got Daniel Hudson. I, I don't even think that's really worth talking about that much. I think he's much better than people realize. Right, right. And um, you know what's funny is they made that uh, they made that two year deal for Tommy Canely like last. That's right. Like last oh my year. god, I forgot about. Yeah, he's coming to the bullpen. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to uh, what what high school did he go to in Upstate New York? Was it Shaker? <laughs> Hang on, but he's a he's an Upstate New York guy. Yeah, Daniel Hudson. Yeah, shout out to Shaker High School. Daniel Hudson, yeah, three three one ERA last year. I mean, yeah, that's a solid. Uh, whoa, thirteen point one strikeouts per nine. Yeah. Why didn't anyone tell me that? Okay. <laughs> Daniel Hudson, yeah. Yeah, thirteen. Yeah, point- dude, he's better than people realize. I told you, I wanted the Red Sox to get him at the deadline. Yeah, thirteen point one strikeouts per nine. That's pretty crazy. I think I was just thinking about his twenty twenty season. I was like, oh, he's done. But no, not not at all. Um, uh, Tommy Canley is coming off a season in which he had 27 strikeouts per nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one inning pitched. <laughs> but but nine walks per nine, though. So, you know, only a .19 FIP. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, uh, so, yeah, the Dodgers, like, they're getting some bullpen pieces. Uh, hypothetically, if, hypothetically, if Jansen doesn't come back, maybe Hudson could close or Blake Trinan. Yeah. Oh, Blake Trinan's definitely going to be the, the closer right now. Right. Uh, but you also have Alex Vesia, you have Bruce Dar Gratterall, you have Phil Bickford, like that's, that's still a really good team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, that's, yeah, the Daniel Hudson move is a move you're probably going to realize the importance of more like in the playoffs. Like, uh, that's just, like, when they do have a bullpen game, it's like, oh, Daniel Hudson back out there getting another scoreless inning. Yeah. Um, That's just what it seems like. Uh, Yeah, so that was a solid move. Um, But on to the Padres, who just lost Daniel Hudson. To the Dodgers. They, I don't think they really did much, which I guess, you know, they've done plenty in the previous two offseasons. I was saying, like, the Padres can't win this offseason. Yep. Like, if they get a bunch of really good people, people are going to accuse them of being, you know, doing the same thing that they did last year. And if they don't do anything, it's like, well, look what the Dodgers did and look what the Giants did, which maybe they're not saying that exactly. Uh, they lost – they traded Adam Frazier. Uh, we, yeah. already, we already talked about that. Yeah, no, they legit did nothing of note. Yeah, and then the big the big move from the NL West, Jolis Chassin going to the Rockies. Right. Oh yeah, um, the Padres signed Nick Martinez to a four year contract. Did you see this? Uh, no. <laughs> Nick Martinez has not pitched in the majors since 2017, and I think they got him from Japan. And let's see, I don't, I actually don't know. Okay, he was very good in Japan last year. Uh, a 1.62 ERA in 149 and two thirds innings pitched. Uh, still, I was very shocked to see a four-year deal for him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wh- how much did they sign him for? 
I can't imagine it's that much. Like probably like twelve million or something. I don't. It might not even be that much. Um, Nick Martinez. Yeah, dude, four million a year. Yeah, four years, sixteen million. Okay, wait, no. It was, so they're paying him seven mil next year, and then four point three mil the next three years, and then, uh, yeah, and he can opt out, and he's a free agent. Still, four. Okay, so four years, twenty million. Um, I mean, it could be very good with value, but I was just not ready to see a four-year deal for him. Yeah, no. <laughs> he went to Fordham University, which is the shirt I'm currently wearing. Wow. My sister graduated from there, so shout out to Fordham. Go, go Rams. Um, but yeah, 18th rounder also, um, so yeah, four years, 20 million. Um, yeah, that was, I was just not ready to see that. Like when you look at his numbers in Japan and like, if you picture it as like a, like a Japanese import coming in, like for example, I use not Japanese, but like Hassan Kim last year. Yeah. Um, it's like they gave him a similar type of deal, but it's just, you know, it's someone who has pitched in the majors before, so right. it, like, it feels a little different. Yeah. But yeah, like a one six two ERA in hundred forty nine point in two thirds innings pitch last year, eight point eight strikeouts per nine, two point three walks per nine, oh point four home runs, uh also six point nine hits per nine. Yeah, that's uh it's interesting. I mean uh, I I don't know what role they would put him in. Like I feel like he'll be asked to do he'll like probably anything. be a starter. Like, yeah. What happened? To, like, don't forget what happened to their rotation last year. Like, everyone just fell apart. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, currently at the moment they've got uh, Musgrove, Darvish, Snell, Clevenger coming back, and then he's their five starter according to Fangraphs. Yeah. It could it could still be Paddock if they still want to give him chances. Yeah. Paddock had a very large difference between his ERA and FIP last year. Um, like in terms of unlucky. Unlucky. Interesting. Very interesting there. Um, so, yeah, that's that's pretty funny. Yeah, four years, $20 million, you said, mm-hmm. um, from uh, the right-handed pitching Nick Martinez. I could see him like he could be a starter, he could be a reliever. Mm-hmm. Anything anything could work uh, for $5 million a year. Uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. I mean, maybe, maybe just the uh, – the under the radar move of the off season. You never know. It could be like people probably didn't even, people probably won't even know that they signed him. Right. Exactly. Like people will probably be watching like a random Padres game. Like I don't late night, like people on the East coast and be like, wait a minute, they signed Nick Martinez. Like when was the last time that guy pitched? Yeah. But yeah, I remember seeing that and being like, wait, what? Yeah. That's great. I, I didn't even, I didn't even see it. Yeah. I was just, I like, like I've said a million times, I just couldn't believe a four year deal. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like if they re-signed to like a one or two year deal, I'd be like, oh yeah, like okay. Especially like he was there. This this uh, this contract covers his age thirty one through thirty four seasons. Yeah. It's not like it. Yeah, it's not. Like they signed a twenty eight year old. <laughs> anyway, um, that was that was shocking. They also signed Luis Garcia. Uh yes, not Astros Luis Garcia, not Nationals Luis Garcia, but Cardinals. former Cardinal. I Luis think he Garcia. used to be a Padre as well, but who knows? There's so <laughs> many Luis Garcias. Um, the Rockies did that thing where they're the Rockies. Yeah, and the the Diamondbacks. Um, and Mark Melanson. The Diamondbacks are preparing for their number one overall pick. Um, I wonder if they'll trade him away again this time. That would like make they, sense. Like they did with Dansby Swanson. Uh, oh, that's right. <laughs> they got Shelby Miller, though. 
did I, I saw um like Trey Young or no from the they, tra- they traded Shelby Miller yeah they no. traded she- they traded for Shelby Miller and got Dansby they traded Dansby Swanson and Edder and Ciarte. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, I remember um like Trey Young in the NBA got engaged and his fiance's name is Shelby Miller, and <laughs> everyone was like, "Wow, he rebounded well after being traded for those two guys." <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Diamondbacks. You know they they won fifty two games last year, so. What can you expect them to do in the off season? Yeah, and uh, they signed a closer, like they signed a closer. Yeah, yeah because that's what the problem is. You need to be winning to use your closer. That's correct. That is correct. Um, and then uh, onto the American League West, the Astros uh, didn't. They they signed uh, Hector Neris. Yeah. Who finally out of the finally the, out of Philly? <laughs> Good for him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Poor guy. Um, not a bad career. I I'm just looking now. Three four two career ERA. That's a one twenty four career ERA plus. Yeah. Um. He peaked in twenty fourteen, where he <laughs> had a zero ERA. And, and a, I'm sure you sure there was in many innings. In a one one three FIP. Yeah. Uh, no walks ever in how that many, year. How many innings we talking? Oh, yeah. Oh, one, yeah. One inning pitch. It was a great inning. Yeah, it was. Truly. The Phillies saw him were like, we're keeping this guy for eight years. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, how it, that's how it worked. It's like, we cannot let this guy go. Uh, Yeah, I mean. Guys, he's very good. Like, <laughs> he just gets associated with the Phillies bullpen. Right. He's always just like... uh that one guy who's like not the worst yeah. in that bullpen. Also, it is very funny seeing every year there's a huge discrepancy between his ERA and his FIP. But sometimes it's like he gets really lucky, and sometimes he gets really unlucky. Right. Yeah. That's just the life. That's just the life of a reliever. Um, in his last three seasons, uh, three four six ERA. I mean, you know, he's just he'll just be another guy. Dusty Baker just trots out in, like, the sixth inning in the playoffs. Yeah. His career, I'm not, not going to count 2014 uh, here, but every, his hits per nine every year is very funny. 8.5, 6. 6.6, 8.2, 8.7, 6.0, 10.0, 6.7. <laughs> it's like, like this guy is either going to be super lucky or super unlucky. Yeah, like his... <laughs> it can never be at a reasonable place. It, yeah, if he... Yeah, if you just put that like on a graph, that'd be a hilarious graph to look at. It would, <laughs> yep. it would be like the stock market. Yeah. Uh I'm gonna do that after the show. Yeah. That's we, too funny. We need that for sure. Uh notable with Hector Neris is his strikeout numbers. Yes. Career eleven point five strikeouts per nine. Uh along with um, you know, and if you just go since twenty if you go since twenty eighteen his strikeouts per nine is uh, twelve point four. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I wonder uh, since twenty eighteen, like how many guys have his ERA and FIP since twenty eighteen are the exact same though. Nice. From <laughs> literally three point eight three. Yeah. Nice. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And, it it uh, perfectly balances out the luck and the misfortune. And uh, actually, last year his expected ERA was two nine nine. Wow. So. Very interesting. Fifty uh, percent ground ball rate last year. It's funny because his FIP was way lo- way bigger than his ERA, way larger. 
Yeah, it's uh, very... six point six point seven hits per nine. Yeah, it's that's interesting, very interesting for sure. I'm trying to look at see if like any specific pitches uh, pop off for him. Uh, his splitter looked good in 2019, but uh, maybe I'm digging too deep here. Um, he actually, yeah, he uses his splitter 40, like over 40% of the time. Something to look at. Uh, his whiff rate on it last year was 45.3%. Nice. Um, so, yeah, that's a solid move on the Astros' end. Um, you know, there's not much they were going to be doing. They've got a young rotation. They don't really have to worry about adding to that. Um, and they already got Verlander earlier in the offseason, so they kind of made their moves there. Um, in terms of the lineup, like, you know, you're going to lose Correa, uh, but they've got some, they've got some guys internally that can kind of fill holes. So, uh, you know, you weren't really expecting much out of the Astros in the off season and, but, uh, they did get, end up getting a nice yeah. right-handed reliever who potentially like if they need him to could close out some games. I was not ready to spend that much time on Hector Neris. Yeah. I don't know. I mean. I feel because the last team, like the last team we talked about doing something, really was like I don't know, maybe the Giants. Well, we got a team in this division that we will talk about. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, yeah. First, we'll get into the Mariners. I think who, we should save them for last. Uh, save the Mariners for last. No, the team in this division that we need to talk about. Well, I mean, they were going to be last anyway oh, because true. Of where they were in the standings. True, true, true. Uh, the Mariners. Mariners got Robbie Ray. They did. Um, good deal. Great deal. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is the, this is the time you do something like this. It absolutely is. Um, I, I'm proud I'll, of them. I'm proud of them for doing this. I am too. I'm proud of Jerry Depoto. This is, I feel like this has got to be the most he's spent since like Cruz maybe. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think about it. When was the last time they signed like a big free agent? I mean, they, this definitely was more money than they gave to Cruz. This is definitely the highest. Uh, I mean, it definitely is definitely not Cano, but I, that was pre Depoto. Yeah, definitely uh, biggest contract since probably Cano. Yeah. Uh, if I'm thinking about it correctly, yeah, um, yeah. So they got Robbie Ray. I mean, what more can you say about the guy other than? <laughs> well, Cy- I can I can tell you a lot of things about the guy other than <laughs> Cy Young award winner. So yeah. let me just. ERA title winner last yeah. year. Let me just break this down completely. Um, you know what Robbie Ray improved upon last year? He cut the walks completely. He was one of the most. He was a perpetual walk machine from 2015 to 2020. But he was also the active leader in strikeouts per nine. Uh, this guy strikes out 11.2 batters per nine in his career. Obviously, that's the all-time leader. Um, but his biggest issue in the 2021 season in which he won the Cy Young Award was he gave up a lot of home runs. And a lot of that could have been due to the ballparks he was pitching in because he never really had a home park. But, you know, I've talked quite a bit about how the supplemental ballparks the Blue Jays used, how they were offensive powerhouses, especially for the Blue Jays because they are just a very good offensive team, but also opponents as well. And Seattle... Very much a pitcher's park. Much more of a pitcher's park than Toronto was. Also, Mariners have a solid defense. Blue Jays did too. Not much of a storyline to be had there. Um, 
but that's going to be the biggest thing for Robbie Ray is you're going to a place where the ball is not going to be flying all over the place the same way it was in Toronto. And that's going to eliminate the biggest issue he had last year. While also, you know, he's still going to be striking out a lot of guys. The walks are probably going to stay where they were. I would hope they do. Uh, right. This is a very good signing for Seattle. And yeah. I'm also just so happy for Robbie Ray. Yeah, little uh, fun fact I just found. Um, the Blue Jays had the ninth highest home run to fly ball ratio, meaning like unluckiest on like home run to fly ball yeah. ratio. Seattle was 25th. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's I want to look at venue real um, quick. Yeah, if I don't exactly know how to like get I can, there. I can get there. I can do that. Um, but yeah, like that's just a little a little bit of a hint of like what could possibly change with Robbie Ray and like the, yeah, there's potential of him getting even uh, getting even better now that he's out of those weird ballparks. Yeah. Because um, we know like. Especially if he keeps his walks down, um, which I mean, uh, based I, on last year, he should. He should. Um, you know, he he was able to keep them down over the course of over 190 innings. I mean, one of his teammates is going to be one of the best like walk prevent pitchers in baseball. Yeah, Marco uh, Marco Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, like, and yeah, it it just this adds to the team very well. I mean, uh, the Mariners they have uh an okay staff with they they had an okay staff with what Marco Gonzalez uh Chris Flexen Chris Flexen but they needed uh they needed like a nice leader ace they got him and it's a team that's growing and it's a good it's a great thing it's another they, young team it's a great thing that they have him for 5 years mm-hmm. because um he he's going to be especially important in you know, 2023 and beyond. And like, they're going to compete this year, mm-hmm. but they're going to be, they could be a potential problem in the next, you know, two, three years. Uh, so he's going to be, he's going to play a big role for that. And uh, yeah, following the Randy Johnson career arc a little bit, going to Seattle. Yep. Like I think of him as that big game, a uh, potential big game pitcher. Like it, it, this is exciting uh, for the Mariners for sure. Um, like it's looking more and more like they can break that drought very soon. I mean, you know, you have Kelnick who's probably going to take a step forward. You have to expect him to take a step forward. You have J-Rod coming up next year. Yep. You have a lot of young pitchers possibly coming up soon. You know, Emerson Hancock. You have George Kirby. Logan Gilbert looked great last year, especially for just his rookie season. Yeah. And even, like, the, the guys who, uh, like – the guys who aren't like gonna be your stars, I, I like as like a supporting cast. Like JP Crawford, I think uh, is a is a very good contributor to that team. And then you know Ty France took a step forward last Huge year. Huge step forward. Um, I think yeah, they still have they still have Mitch Haniger. I think yeah. They do. Excuse me. Um, they still have Mitch Haniger. You know, I like I like this team. I like this team next year, especially. Especially with Robbie Ray, um, and uh, and yeah, it's it's gonna be nice, gonna be nice to see. And you know, I wonder how that bullpen is gonna hold up. Should be, should be decent. Mm-hmm. I like how they uh, how Baseball Reference still has uh, their fun differential up. Yeah, yeah, they haven't gotten rid of that. 
Yeah, I yeah, I love this deal. Love this deal for the Mariners. Um, I just want to... Savant's not loading for me, which is really annoying. Um, Yikes. Yeah. Robbie Ray in 2021. What are we looking for? Um... His home run to fly ball ratio is actually worse on the road, which is in, which is interesting. Um, yeah, that is weird. But also, he probably, I don't know, maybe he gave up a lot like more fly balls at home in general where it was just going to balance out. Right. Like those atmospheres. Um, yeah. Yeah, but um, Savant's not loading. I want to check like venue home run to fly ball ratios. Yeah, that would be interesting for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's mostly what the Mariners did. I don't think they did too much else. Um, yeah, that was mostly what they did, but you know, it's going to be, it's going to be exciting to watch. Yeah, I hope very, so. very much so. Um, I was not really considering the Mariners as a potential, you know, potentially trying to get an ace. Uh, they got one and, and, um, I can't help but really appreciate this from a Mariners perspective. Um, mm-hmm. as for the <laughs> Oakland A's, okay, we talked about them, uh, before the show, just kind of strolling along, going back into irrelevancy, uh, not really doing a whole lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, the angels, they signed this, that's the team where you talk about them being disappointing, right? All the pitchers out there and they end up with Michael Lorenzen. Right, right. Um, one thing, one good thing they did was they re-signed Rizal Iglesias. That is the good thing they did. Yes, they needed to do that, and that was what like a three or four year deal. Um. Oh uh, yeah, four year deal. I think. Yeah. They also signed Aaron Loop. I think we talked about that already. Yep. Yep. Um. I mean. But like, good, good job getting Rizal Iglesias. But I feel like you shouldn't be signing great closer deals unless you're a competitive team and they haven't really shown to be i mean they're obviously yet. trying to be trying it's, like, to it's be not it's not like i mean like rice Iglesias is one of the best relievers in the league it's not like you're not allowed to sign him because you yeah. haven't been good yet like they're obviously trying to be good yeah but like they you know as you mentioned it would, be, it would be, be prioritizing their starters oh absolutely to get to him you're absolutely right um because i mean like i mean the rotation right now it's it's otani it's patrick sandoval it's Michael Lorenzen. And who else do you really feel confident in? I mean, maybe Syndergaard. Oh, yeah, and Syndergaard. Um, but, like, you don't really feel that confident in, in many people. And, uh, I mean, you know, the Iglesias deal work is, is good. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, they're still kind of – I still view them as a similar team. I mean, I guess you're – technically kind of adding Mike Trout back into your... Yeah, and Anthony Rendon. And Anthony Rendon. Um, um, but yeah, like, they were a 77-win team, so the addition of Mike Trout, if you just go based off of, like, wins above replacement, mm-hmm. Mike Trout, adding him, like, from last year, adds, like, maybe five or six wins, so that's, mm-hmm. what, 83, 84, and then Anthony Rendon probably adds another maybe four, so you're at 87 with that it's like just get another get a 
get a very good starter yeah. and you're I a mean, very competitive team. I think they have a couple young starters that are very intriguing. I mentioned Patrick Sandoval earlier. Jose Suarez is also a guy that people should be looking for. I think those are some – like Patrick Sandoval is probably their second best starter. Um, right. Yeah. Like I would, I would, I would almost put him. I would even put him above Syndergaard at this point. Suarez, I think, is going to be a very good five starter who could grow into more. Um, right. Wow, I've encountered an error on the Savant page. Oh well. Oh, um, but I mean, you're looking at a rotation with Otani, with you know who knows how many innings he's going to be able to pitch. Obviously, 130 last year. Yep. Um, and then you have Sandoval, you have Syndergaard, you have Lorenzen, and you have Suarez. But that lose. You know, like, that's good, but there isn't much depth after that. Yeah, and this is a team, like, um, if you if we want to talk payroll also, uh, I should pull that up. I mean, Pujols just came off the books. Upton will be off the books next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, like, the the Angels' payroll is crazy because I think, like, of the guaranteed money, like, 80% are going to three players. Yeah, and it's all going, like, way beyond now. Right, yeah. It's absolutely uh, absolutely insane. Um, yeah, go to their um, should go to their franchise pages, other salaries and contracts. Uh, but, yeah, the Angels, like, their, <laughs> their financial commitments are interesting – Always, uh, yeah. Currently, their estimated payroll currently is one hundred sixty nine point nine million. Uh, the value of their guaranteed contracts for this year is one hundred fifty six point seven million, and thirty seven point one is going to Mike Trout, thirty six point six is going to Anthony Rendon, twenty eight is going to Justin Upton. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be off the books next year. Uh, yeah, it's and uh. Yeah, twenty-one million going to Syndergaard this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, I guess still not, still not going for the big, uh, for the big guys yet. But you know, so, someday. Yeah, I mean, you also you also hope that guys like Joe Adele, Brandon Marsh can take steps up next year. Yeah, maybe one day. Maybe. Maybe one day they will be like the Texas Rangers <laughs> and sign <laughs> everybody. And sign and like two players for five hundred million dollars combined. One of them going into his age thirty thirty one season. Yep. Or thirty. Maybe it was thirty. Thirty no, thirty one. Nope. It was very much thirty one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh is it age thirty one or is he coming off his age thirty? No, he's coming off his age thirty. Age thirty season. Uh, yes. So it starts off for the Rangers by signing Marcus Simeon for seven years, $175 million. Um, you know, has been, according to, like, wins of a replacement, like a top three player since 2019. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, seven years, quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, what, what are our thoughts on the Marcus Simeon signing? I mean, it definitely makes them a better team right now, but for how long? Because who knows? I mean, like... They're definitely trying to be competitive next year. When you take it, when you give a team that won sixty games last year that much talent, they can only get so much better, especially in a division where other teams are getting better, such as the Angels, the Mariners, possibly the Astros. I mean, the Astros aren't going to be getting better, but they're still going to be very good. Um, right. 
the thing that concerns me here is that, you know, first of all, you're signing a 31-year-old to a seven-year deal. That's mm-hmm. a red flag in itself. Yeah. Um, the thing that worries me is that, and maybe maybe this shouldn't worry me, maybe it should go the opposite way, but Simeon has missed a total of three games over the last three full seasons, so not counting 2020. Uh, he played 159 games in 2018, 162 in 2019, 162 in 2021. Like maybe this, like, you know, like this definitely tells you that he's very durable and he's reliable to be in games. But like we've seen in so many players that that can only go on for so long. Prince Fielder. Yeah, <laughs> Prince Fielder. Yeah, I like mean, you know, same franchise. Right. Um. How I, I mean. Um. That is an interesting point. Um, there are reasons to believe Marcus Simeon, you know, won't have the same fate as Prince Fielder. I know you don't really mean that, like. I the, hope, the like, I, I hope, thing. I hope we, he doesn't suffer the same fate. That yeah, would no. suck. And and uh, I think there's reason. I mean, just looking at the two guys, seeing why one might last, one might not. Uh, but but yeah, uh, I mean. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting to sign a 31-year-old to a seven-year deal when you're not going to be competing in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. This is a deal that um, a competitive team would make, where it's like, you know, we'll sacrifice the past, the, you know, the last few years of maybe lack of production. You know, mm-hmm. this is a deal where I feel like I feel like the 2009 Yankees would be all over this. <laughs> would be all over this deal. Um, you know, we're like, you know, we're going to try to win the win a win a few championships in the first few years of his contract but yeah you know we'll be when it's when when it comes time for like 2015 2016 it's like man we're still paying this guy um but like the when the when the rangers should be competitive is maybe when simeon is going to be declining which is what makes this so confusing um but uh you know it's not like they're getting a bad player they're getting a good player, maybe not for the right, maybe not at the right time. Uh, it's it should be interesting. Also, like uh, you know, he's coming from a situation where he had good offensive ballparks. Texas isn't uh, a crazy great offensive ballpark. I wasn't gonna go there because his home road splits were basically identical last year. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. Yeah. I did forget about that. Um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, this, this, this deal should be interesting. Uh, I should take a look at like where he ranks in F four since 2019. It's like top three, probably even with a bad 2020. That's only 60 games. Yeah. Does. Yeah. It basically treated like a two month slump, which pretty much is what it was. Uh, since 2019. Oh no, he leads. He leads in F4 since 2019. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? If you're gonna sign a guy to a seven-year deal at age 31, definitely not a bad thing if they lead the league and wins above replacement for the last three years. Yeah. Yeah. True. Very true. Um. So yeah. Uh. Pretty interesting. I mean. Marcus Simeon just confuses the hell out of me so so much. Literally, because, because like some some websites like his defensive metrics, some don't. Uh, you know his. Sometimes he's an MVP finalist. Sometimes he's a below average uh, mm-hmm. hitter. 
it's just uh, he's he's confusing, and I I guess it'll stay the same during a during his contract. Yeah, maybe maybe his best years will be like age thirty four through thirty seven. It could know. be, could be. I don't yeah. know. Uh, but then you get to the other big signing. This one, uh, this one you gotta love. Yeah, Corey Seager. Um, it's very funny because we just talked about Marcus Simeon and like how he's so durable and he always stays on the field. Corey Seager is not exactly the same way. Yeah, no. Um, um, to to give him an excuse for 2021, uh, he his last his last injury was because of getting hit. Yeah. By a pitch, uh, on his finger. And he but, played all but eight games in 2020. Yeah, uh, 2019, 134 games, and then he had like Tommy John surgery. Yeah. Um, but still, yeah, he's hasn't been on the field a crazy amount. But you know, I'm not honestly not too worried about it. But uh, 10 year, 325 million dollar deal covers his age 28 through 37 seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's gonna be playing with the Rangers. Um, you know, it's something where, like, you know, we don't know when the Rangers are going to be competitive. If you had to put, like, an ETA, ETA on it, it might be, like, 2025. And in 2025, Corey Seager is still going to be in his early 30s. Um, and uh, he's not even, like, a. I, I feel like uh, Corey Seager is probably going to age well because he's, like, a good offensive, like, power hitter. Um, yeah. I kind of – yeah, I – I like this. I like this. He's a guy Rangers. you could see, like, you know, he might trans. He might be a DH by the end of his career, mm-hmm. but he could probably still hit. Or like go to second base. Yeah, yeah. You never know. Um, yeah, it. I feel like some deals are like just so like cookie cutter. It's like, oh, this is a good deal. Yeah, that's all I can really say about <laughs> it. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, I mean, the Rangers have the best middle infield in baseball now. <laughs> they do. They do. They do. They do. Um, they went from what was their middle infield last year? Like Nick Solak and I don't. Th- I, I think Isaiah Kinderfalefa kind of played all, all over. Yeah, and now you got. Um, they got five. Uh, yeah, no. According to Baseball Reference, it was Nick Solak and Isaiah Kinderfalefa. Now you got half a billion dollars worth of infielders yeah. in the middle. Just, just in the middle. Just in the middle. Yeah. Um. It should be interesting to see like where the Rangers are in a few years and like if it ended up being worth it to get these guys. Yeah. Uh uh not to mention they also got John Gray. They got Cole Calhoun. Yeah, they got John Gray. Like <laughs> yeah. John Gray is actually another like pretty big deal. Yeah, that was that was one I'm excited about. Um 4 years what 56? Mm-hmm. Yes, 4 years 56 mil. He actually had better numbers at Coors last year, but Mike Petriello pointed out his like third time through the order was like much worse at cores and then very good uh, on the road. Interesting. So like that, you know, that's a guy who can be an innings eater while yeah. also being an effective pitcher. Yeah, and I mean the Rangers can use all the all the pitching they can get, and uh, and they have a ballpark that favors pitching. Yes, it does. They do. Um, but also, one thing I have to think about is like a four-year deal. Uh, are the Rangers going to be competitive in the next four years? But it's not even mm-hmm. a thing where like it breaks it breaks the bank that much. Yeah. Where it's like if they do arrive early, John Gray is definitely a nice piece to have. Yeah. Uh, in that rotation. The thing that scares me about the Rangers is that like if they aren't competitive in the next few years, 
Like, they're going to, like, owners are going to use them as a benchmark of, like, well, we're not spending money because look what the Rangers did. They spent all this money and they weren't good. Yeah. When the reality is they, you know, they spent all this money com- coming out of a 100 loss season. And I'm still, you know, like, I applaud the Rangers for, for going for it at a time when a lot of teams wouldn't. Yeah, um, especially with that loyal fan base, first in, in attendance <laughs> last year. <laughs> Sorry, I had to slip that in. <laughs> yeah, dude, I was just looking at that too. Uh, yeah, just a super loyal fan base. <laughs> yeah, they they show up more than anyone else for a team that lost hundred games. <laughs> um, that's got to be a first, right? Has to be, has to be absolutely. Um, yeah, <laughs> pretty, pretty unreal. Um, yeah, I you know, interesting, interesting time to be spending money. Um, you know, I, I have to like the Corey Seager deal more than Marcus Simeon, just based on age. Um, Maybe not even on like player skill. Uh, and do you think they can be competitive next year? Um, like, keep in mind, their pitching staff is still going to be John Gray, Mike Fultonevich. Like I want to look at this roster again, because even like the rest of the lineup. AJ Alexi, <laughs> Glenn Otto. Because they got these two great bats, and then like they they traded Joey let Gallo. Me, let me look at the yeah they traded Joey Gallo. Let me look at uh, okay so. We got Nate Nate Lowe. Nate Lowe. Uh, according to Fangraphs, their projected rotation on opening day is John Gray, Dane Dunning. Uh, Taylor Hearn, AJ Alexi, Spencer Howard. None of which are are homegrown. Uh, None of them. Nate Lowe had, so looking at the lineup, players that had OPS pluses above 100. Actually, if you you just take a look at the OPS pluses down down the lineup according to baseball reference, how they have the 2020 lineup set up. Catcher, Jose Trevino, 67 OPS plus. Nate Lowe at first base, 113. Nick Solak, 87. Isaac kiner Falefa. That 5 through 9 doesn't look good at all. Uh, You know, Brock Holt, 61. Willie Calhoun, 90. Uh, Adolius Garcia, 101. Joey Gallo is not on the team anymore. Yohel Pozo, 90. Well, I mean, I don't think he was actually in the lineup. I don't know why they have him in there. He's... Only played 21 games. But uh, it's like the team had an 84 OPS plus last year. They added two great bats, but they're still probably going to be a that below might, average That might off- get them to 92. Yeah. yeah. It's still going to be a pretty below average offense. Um, Five through nine is going to be eesh. Yeah. I, so, yeah. No, they're not going to be competitive next year. <laughs> Which is unfortunate. I, it's not even like an I don't think – it's just like it's just a not, no, especially no. with that division too. It's like if they were in the AL Central, it's like they could finish second and maybe compete for that wild card spot. Yeah, like I can't see them being better than three of the four other teams in that division. Yeah, no, no, I can't. It's, it's too much. Um. So yeah, uh, we'll see about the Rangers. But uh, do they have twenty two playoff twenty twenty two playoff projections yet? I don't know. It's probably got to come later, right? I don't know. Uh, Just wait till Pakoda does their projections and they have him winning like 85 games. Yeah. <laughs> finishing third. Right. The Astros, they have like the Astros. Oh my goodness, we have breaking news. Oh my goodness. The MLB is out of lockout. No. <laughs> um, 
this is going to be the, yeah, this is be the first time we've bring news on the show in a while. Uh, Steve Cohen has tweeted, Mets have a new manager. You want oh. to take a guess? Curtis Granderson? No. Um, Carlos Beltran, he's no. coming back. Dude, it's the guy all the media wanted to come manage the Mets. It's the dude that every media member was hyping up. Oh, wow. I, I'm too out of the loop. I'll give you a hint. We were talking about Ubaldo Jimenez earlier in the show. Wait. What? Ubaldo Jimenez. Wait. Buck Showalter? Yeah. No way. Dude, I oh swear to God. God. The Mets just hired Buck Showalter. They hired Buck Showalter. <laughs> yeah. They hired Buck Showalter. What? The, uh, the Max Scherzer wanted Buck Showalter. Max Scherzer's going to pitch 300 innings next year. Yeah. <laughs> Jacob DeGrom's arm's going to be blown out in May again. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's unbelievable. I'm like... I'm like concerned. I'm, so many emotions going through me right now. Uh, wow. I mean, I guess you know what's gonna happen now. Like the Mets are gonna be good, and the media is gonna be like the Mets. They did it. They hired Buck Showalter. They got away from the analytics. They. It's like as if they didn't sign Max Serger, Mark Canna, yeah. <laughs> Starling Marte, while also having a very talented team beforehand. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Like oh every, everyone just stays healthy and has a career year, and it's like, oh, it, it, it was Buck Showalter. It was, you know what? That's why the analytics are blah, blah, blah. Three-year deal. Uh-oh. We got someone walking on the grass. Oh, my God. This must not be a student. <laughs> um, my yeah. God. My God. They really hired Buck Showalter. I, f- I knew they were going to do it, too. They could have hired Joe Espada. They could have hired... Oh my God! Espada was the yeah, dude. Buck, but Bob Nightingale, Buck Showalter was the p- perfect choice all along, and now he'll start assembling his Mets coaching staff. Oh boy, he's getting he's getting. <laughs> I fired. cannot wait. He's I getting cannot. fired in June, dude. I cannot wait to go back to that tweet. Yeah, this is this is rough. <laughs> he's yeah, he's not gonna last now. Definitely not. Oh boy. I mean, I don't think it's as detrimental as the Tony La Russa hire to the White Sox. Right. But I, you know what's gonna be funny? Edwin Diaz is is gonna get screwed so hard, I guarantee it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like he's a guy that, you know, like he got big time X fipped and bad he got he got X fipped in twenty nineteen, two point three home runs per nine, fifteen point four strikeouts per nine. Yeah. I guarantee you by like be- it's gonna be the 2022, uh, 2022 NL Wild Card game. It's a tie game, and instead Miguel of- Castro comes out of the bullpen. <laughs> yeah, they've got Joey Lucchesi out there. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh my Edwin, god. It's like Edwin Diaz is gonna win reliever of the year, and they they he's still in the bullpen. Tyler McGill is gonna have like a seven ERA <laughs> in the sixth inning, and he's just gonna keep pushing him out there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tyler McGill would have been a better one. Uh, yeah, like that's exactly the guy. Oh my god, dude. Um. So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it will be funny when the Mets win ninety-five games next year. Buck Showalter wins Manager of the Year. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be great. Uh, yeah, yeah, he. His last time managing was what? 2017. It was 2018. Oh, yeah. 
It was the 54 win Orioles. <laughs> no, 47 win. Yeah, it was Never. the 47 win Orioles. It was the 47 win Orioles, who were not expected to be that bad either, might I add. Yeah. Like, like heading into 2018, uh, coming off. They were like, maybe they'll hover 500. Yeah. It's like, nah, 47 wins. How about that? Yeah. Which, to be fair, like, I don't think it's entirely on Buckshow Walter that they were that bad. No. Like, clearly they haven't improved under Brandon Hyde. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Brandon Hyde was not the was not the guy that was going to bring them back. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the the Mets hired Buckshow Walter. I'm still getting used to that fact. Um, it is just... It is just the move you make, like, it's like, ah, oh, well, everything else failed, so. Yeah. Why not get Buck Showalter? Like, every every person we've hired is, like, <laughs> just getting in weird stuff or just incompetent. So we'll just get Buck Showalter. Very interesting. I mean, we'll see how it works out. <sighs> um, So those are all the teams to talk about. Uh, this is going uh, about as long as planned. We're an hour and a half in, and we still have some Hall of Fame stuff to talk about. And we got some lockout stuff. And some lockout stuff. I I cannot believe it. What's the What's the lockout stuff other than like oh we're locked out? Um, I mean Rob Manfred put out that statement. Um. Oh yeah. yeah. That was that sucked. That was a nice kick, that sucked. kick in the five hole for the players. <laughs> yeah, dude. I I don't know about you. I stopped reading after the third paragraph. I I kept going just to just to. I couldn't I couldn't do it, dude. Just to boil my blood a little more. I I was already I already needed to like punch a hole in my wall. Not really, but. And I, I and I also read it in his like Kermit voice that he yeah. has, like the, the you know we had some very good. We had some very good uh, requests, you know, player-friendly requests. And they I'm just going to go through the first three paragraphs and talk about every every problem in it. Every fallacy. Yeah, because I, I counted three in the first three paragraphs. Yeah. Uh, where is this this piece of garbage? <laughs> where is this piece? That it's probably on so the top bad. of the MLB website. I Dude, I can't find it. <laughs> uh, they got Fernando Mania. Yeah. <laughs> Remember Still that guy decades who, won later. The, who won the Cy Young? 40, 40 years 40, ago. 40 years ago. It's the 40-year anniversary. Um, Rob Manfred statement. <laughs> yep, a letter to baseball fans, MLB.com. Okay, two-hour fans that we don't care about. We, we're sorry that the players suck so hard. I first want to thank you for your continued support of the great game of baseball. This past season, we were reminded of how the national pastime can bring us together and restore our hope despite the difficult challenges of a global pandemic. As we begin to emerge in one of the darkest periods of our history, our ballparks were filled with fans, the games were filled with excitement, and millions of families felt the joy of watching baseball together. Okay. You know what? That's that's a good paragraph. I don't disagree with anything I don't, so I, far. Everything you said was correct. Yeah. <clears throat> That's why I am so disappointed about the situation in which our game finds itself today. Despite the league's best efforts to make a deal with the Players Association, we were unable to extend our 26-year-long history of labor peace and come to an agreement with MLBPA before the current CBA expired. Therefore, we have been forced to commence a lockout of Major League players effective 1201 ET 
on December 2nd. To be fair, it was a long seven minutes. It was Yes. Okay, so that's, <laughs> that's where I wanted to start was despite the league's best efforts, every single report that was covering the the meetings between the players association and the league offices reported that the the owners walked out of negotiation meetings after 7 minutes and yeah. and canceled all negotiations for the rest of the day and this was on December 1st so it, the lockout became official essentially as soon as those came out so already clearly the league's best efforts weren't a thing yeah <laughs> um Seven minutes. Seven minutes. <laughs> that's, all really, that's all that really needs to be said. Like, that's... Like, just think about that. Seven, like, how much how much less can be done in seven minutes? <laughs> Not a whole lot. Like, we might have spent more time talking about Hector Neris on this show. I think, yeah. Than, I, the, league, than the league did trying to negotiate a deal <laughs> before they walked out. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> Uh, all right, do we want to go to the next paragraph? I'll go to the next paragraph. I want to explain to you how we got here and why we have to take this action today. Simply put, we believe that an off-season lockout is the best mechanism to protect the 2022 season. We hope that a lockout will jumpstart the negotiations to get us to an agreement that will allow the season to start on time. This defensive lockout was necessary because the Players Association's vision for Major League Baseball would threaten the ability for most teams to be competitive. It's simply not a viable option. From the beginning, the MLBPA has been unwilling to move from their starting position, compromise, or collaborate on solutions. Uh, where do we want to start here? Um, <laughs> what, what was the thing you said about like uh, to protect the 2022 season? Uh, simply put, we believe that an off-season lockout is the best mechanism to protect the 2022 season. Yeah, if we stall long enough, they will eventually come will back eventually. to us. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what they're trying to say. Yeah. Um, I mean, like the well, like I'm trying to think of what the other options were. Um, like the owners, like the thing is, the owners voted unanimously to lock out. Like the players had no say in it whatsoever. Uh, which obviously, you know. It is very different from, like, if you're comparing this to 1994, that was the player strike where yeah. the owners had no say in that. Right. But, like, at this time we have social media and everyone can see through what the what the league is trying to say here. Yeah, I mean, there's just, there's certain things you can just, you can tell certain meanings mean different meanings. Like, when, when he says, uh, you know, they're trying, t- what was the thing about competitive like the- it, that's what I wanted to get into is the the players association's vision for major league baseball would threaten the ability of most teams to be competitive. They're trying to get the teams to spend too much money, which would which would make the which, league unfair. We can't we can't do that. We can't spend more money and make this league so unfair. No. Like they want the Pirates want Bob Nutting to spend money. Yeah. That is just not realistic. That is just unfair. And you know what? They want the freedom for more teams to spend money. You know what that means? That means the Dodgers spend more money. Oh. And the Dodgers, they, they already spend so much money. <laughs> like, we, they just, that can't happen. Yeah, I mean, uh, um, they had a payroll of $280 million. I mean, uh, I mean, that ownership group with Magic Johnson and everyone else, I mean, they must have been hurting so bad. I mean, like, we can't. We can't be having that, and they won 106 games. And I mean, that's just—I mean, that's very unfair. I mean, why can't why can't every team just win 81 games? <laughs> like 
the first thing I think about is like half the league is already not competitive. How threatening <laughs> can this have really been? Yeah. Like under the current system, which you know the owners obviously had much more of a say in going into the 2016 negotiations. Like how like genuinely how threatening could it have been if we're already looking at a situation where half the teams don't compete? Like look at the Rockies, look at the Pirates, look at Cleveland, like look at the way that they treat their their tenured players and tell me that this is a system where where teams are competitive. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's it's a pure mechanism to uh get teams to spend less money. Um, is uh, what it is. Like, I think just in general, this is kind of going away from the statement, but just like, I think a lot of people don't understand just how broken everything is. Like, people see this as like, oh, the players want more money, which is like, that's part of it. Right. But it's like, look at the free agent system. And we're going to get into that in a second because that's the next paragraph. Actually, you know what? I'll just, I'll just read it now. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about that? Uh, No, I think I got it out. Yeah, it's just like, how threatening can this actually be? And of course, the it's... From the beginning, the MLBPA has been unwilling to move from their starting positions, compromise, or collaborate on solutions. Has the league been willing to do that? Probably not. I think I think it's a it's a thing where both sides don't want to move from their starting positions. Yeah, I really think that's what it is. Anyway, it's like uh, Joe Kelly versus Scott Van Slyke on that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, on that on that uh, national anthem, 2013. Yeah. It's like game none of them were going to move. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway, going back into it. When we began negotiations over a new agreement, the Players Association already had a contract that w- that they wouldn't trade for any other in sports. Baseball players have no salary cap and are subjected to a maximum length of d- or dollar amount on contracts. In fact, only MLB has guaranteed contracts to run 10 or more years and excess in an and an excess of $300 million. We have not proposed anything that would change these fundamentals. While we have heard repeatedly that the free agency system is broken, uh, in a month, in the month of November, one point seven billion dollars was committed to free agents, smashing the previous record by nearly four times. By the end of the offseason, clubs have committed more money to players and teams than in any offseason in MLB history. Don't you think for a second that teams were that a teams knew what was coming and wanted to build their rosters beforehand, and b that may just just maybe. Teams were signing these deals right before the lockout so that MLB could use this as a negotiation tool and Rob Manfred could use in this statement to defend the free agency system. Right. Yeah. Pretty obvious. Secondly, let's talk about the free agent system being broken because the only the only like argument that Manfred is making that free agency isn't broken is broken is that players get a lot of money. Right. Okay. Maybe maybe 1% of players probably less, like 0.5% of players that are on active rosters get $100 million contracts. Right, exactly. Um, and, yeah, that's not, and that's not even getting into the, the organizational depth in the minor leagues. Oh, yeah. Like, think about this for a second. If you're a baseball player, you, you get drafted. And I'm not, let's, let's say you're like a, like a sixth-round pick who gets like, you know, that you get a decent signing bonus but nothing is promised. You go through the minor leagues. Let's say you get drafted in 2016 and you make it to the majors in 2021. That's five years of being a minor league player where you are paid little to none. 
you have to you're not provided your own housing you're not providing any food and you're just treated basically like you're in poverty yeah that is the reality of the situation you have to work second third jobs while being you know while being a minor league baseball player which is already such a commitment while you're already you know you're trying to get a promotion which requires you to put so much of your time and effort into that so let's say by you know you're you're at you're in college you get drafted you're 23 years old by the time you make it to the majors you're 28 and then you have 6 years before you can hit free agency by the by that time you're 34 right and like uh. that's a reality for so many like for every for every you know Max Serger who gets a massive deal twice in his career there are so many other people who go through something like that right the and the the most common story is the story you just told is, uh, mm-hmm. is, you know, the absolute struggle of being in the minor leagues. Uh, I was trying to, I was looking up on the computer, like how many players are in a full organization, like how many players does mm-hmm. Red Sox have? Like maybe 130, 150, maybe. So it's like if, if your average, if your average organization is, has like 125 players in it, which is probably on the low end, you multiply that by 30. That's uh, 3,700 yeah. players. Um, how many players in Major League Baseball are getting – Are how many how – many let's, let's even say 10 mil a year. Out of those 3,700 currently at this moment, how many are going to get a $100 million contract in their lives? Maybe, like 20. Maybe like, yeah, 20, 30 maybe. Uh, and even, like, even, like, even going like 10 mil a year, it's like, I don't know. Like, maybe like uh seventy like seventy five yeah yeah, and that's so if you get you know seventy five out of thirty seven fifty which is what I that's uh two percent mm-hmm. not so to mention like of the league. let's say you're one of those minor leaguers where you get up at age twenty eight uh depending on your service time you get you know the 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 minimum is five hundred thousand dollars a year. Sometimes you really don't even get that because you're not on a roster long enough. Right. Like think about the play like all the players that are like sent up and down through the minors and through the system. Like those people breaking news, they're not making 500k a year. Right. Like right. that's people that are on the 26 man on the 40 man roster mm-hmm. or on the 26 man roster that are there for the year, which is a very little part of them. And oh by the way, you have to wait 3 years of full service time before you can go to arbitration where your team will actively try to prevent you from making as much money as you want. Right. They'll try to contain the amount of money that you try to get. Yes. And then if you make it through that, then you get to free agency. Like, I would love to know how what percent of players actually reach arbitration and what percent actually reach free agency. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great question because, uh, I mean, out of all of the professional... All of the players in, I mean, I guess in terms of professional, that can be that can be not associated with that, the MLB, but like mm-hmm. minor league baseball players associated with the MLB, the percentage of those guys making a major league roster ever is like maybe thirty percent. Yeah, which is crazy in itself. And then what percentage of those guys are making it to arbitration? Maybe thirty percent again, and that's like that leaves you with like nine percent of all of professional baseball players are going to reach arbitration. Yeah. And then uh, among the guys that reach arbitration, how many are going to reach free agency? Maybe. I'd say like, I mean, that's probably a more generous number. Probably, yeah. I'd say, let's say like 70%. 70%. So 70% of 
9% is like 6%. Yeah. So you're thinking about maybe 6% of players who are in the minors, who start out in the minors, reaching free agency. Um, I mean, you know, that's a good life, but that's, you know, a, a, a small fraction of a percentage. And obviously we don't have the exact numbers. We're just taking yeah. guesses. Let's not forget that the league tried to make a proposal saying that free agency is just when a player hits age 29. Right. It's so dumb. Yeah. Uh, like, like, let's not talk like the, and not only that, but it's like, think about it when you're getting, when you're getting six years to be in the major leagues before you hit free agency, most likely you're going to hit your prime and therefore the most amount of dollars you can earn in free agency after that point. Like think like how many players have hit free agency where they could have gotten more if, if they hit free agency like two years earlier? Um, probably a lot. Yeah, probably, probably a good amount. Like, uh, like uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Like some, like uh, I mean, Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge. That's a perfect example. Aaron Judge. Yeah. If he like he's gonna be, you know, he's gonna be going into his age what 31 season in free agency. Um, yeah, he's gonna be going into his age 31 season in free agency. If he hit it, you know, after let's say 2020, that would have been his fourth full year of service time. Right. He's yeah. He's especially someone that would be screwed over. And I mean, imagine like. Oh my God! Imagine a super young guy like uh, Juan Soto going into free agency. right now, going into free agency yeah, like dude. after after um, after next year. Yeah, like he would be getting a five hundred billion dollar contract. He'd be getting a fifteen year contract. Yeah, no joke, no joke about it. Yeah, um, yeah, like uh, there's so much more potential for these players and what they earn in it. I mean, it's not like I don't even think we're really being that unfair i know that maybe like an mlb uh career is a little longer but like in football you're like the in in football you're getting a four-year contract when you're getting drafted in like the first round and then you get an opportunity to like i mean like patrick mahomes patrick mahomes he started in the nfl for two years and then he got a 500 million dollar contract yeah like uh that would be pretty amazing if baseball could reach reach that um and, like, the system of, like, very few people making it to the majors, like, I don't really think that can change. Like, you can only have so many people on a roster. Exactly. But, like, compensate all the people. Like, you can. You have the money to do so. Like, provide housing, provide food, and update your – and, like, update the development systems. Like, there was that story about how the Angels had, like, the worst, like, player development system in baseball. And, like, players would be getting traded and be doing so much better. It's like, if you think about it, like, if you're providing – like the organization is just in a better place if minor leaguers have their own food and their own housing that gives them so much more time to work on you know improving their skills exactly exactly like there's there's no loss there yeah other than you know a few hundred thousand dollars maybe from a guy who's from an owner from an owner who's yeah paying his major league guys 150 million dollars the more you look into this the harder it becomes to respect any major league baseball owner Right, right, exactly. Like, even the ones that do spend money, it's like, you're a part of this system. Yeah, because, yeah, even the guys who do spend money, they're they're not, um, like, they're part of, they're, they're not not supporting the guys who aren't yeah. spending money because it's like, it helps them out, too. Don't ever forget that Derek Jeter fired a guy, like a scout, who was in the middle of a battle with cancer. Right. Like, don't ever forget that. Right, <laughs> exactly. Um 
yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Like, uh, with big money like this. Yeah. Um, this is, these are just situations you, uh, you may find. I just randomly looked back at the, uh, the Manfred statement. I just, I found one quote that said, to be clear, this hard but important step does not necessarily mean games will be canceled. In fact, we are taking this step now because it accelerates the urgency for an agreement, even though there have been, there's been exactly one report of the Players Association and the uh, union meeting, which was yesterday, which was, I think, two days ago, and it was like the, the like, less important core economic parts of it. Right. Like right. apparently, like all the reports have said that they're not going to meet until after the new year, which is very funny because that's, I mean, you know, it's quite some urgency there from the league, like they were saying. Yeah. Yeah. No, the league's going to try to think. Like, here's the thing: the owners don't care about games being played. They don't. They can say they do. They can pretend like they do. They really don't. Yeah. 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 They don't. The players care about it, and the owners are going to use that to their advantage, and they're going to try to make a deal. You know, like closer to spring training, they're going to lowball their deal, you know, more and more as games get closer. So it's going to be like, oh, you guys are not accepting the offer and looks like we're not going to be playing the games and people are going to think it's because of you. Like yeah. the players are. Something we actually mentioned in a class when we were asked to break down the lockout yeah. for uh, our uh, sports information class was we've already we've we had a simulation of what exactly this was mm -hmm. heading into the uh, shortened 2020 season. We kind of already know what this process is going to be like, which is, I bet, I guess, both fortunate for the viewers and unfortunate because we know it's going to be uh, strenuous. Yeah. It's not going to be good. Um, and there's just so many things to address where it's like not everything is going to be addressed probably by the time open, opening no. day comes around. No. Like, a lot of people are being like, oh, my God, like, this could last till February. Like, I really, if spring training starts on time, I will be shocked. Yeah. And I, honestly, I might be disappointed because that probably means the players give in to stuff. Because right. the reality is, like, the owners control everything. Right. And, uh, and like, honestly, the uh, how negotiations went heading into the 2020 season pro provided me more pessimism yeah. uh, than optimism for, like, how something like this would go. Um. Because, yeah, I mean, when was the last CBA signed? Five Twenty-six. Years? It was between 2016 and 17. Yeah, I don't think things were talked about as much. Someone pulled up, like, an old quote from, I think, like, a passing column, like, breaking it down. And he talked to, like, a source that said, like, this is going to set up for war in 2021. Yeah. And not, and not like, wins above replacement war. Yeah, Like, yeah, actual, yeah. like, not good. <laughs> this is going to set up for some great seasons. <laughs> <laughs> um, Just you wait till. This Japanese guy has nine wins of overplacement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the thing that most upsets me is, I, I don't think I've ever heard this being talked about, but think about this for a second. Like, everyone like everyone who understands what's going on is not on Rob Manfred's side right now, right? And Rob Manfred's also just taken a lot of heat in the last two years for several different things. And he's a part of, you know, he's he's sides with the owners on everything because... They're the ones that that put him in that place. But why yeah. is that? Like, do you know how do you know how an MLB commissioner gets elected? Through the owners. It's literally a vote between the thirty owners. Yes. The players have no say. So let's just say Rob Manfred were to get fired tomorrow. You know who the next commissioner is? The guy that the owners wanted to be there. And you know what he's he or she is going to do? Whatever the owners want him to do. Like this is it's not like it's not a Rob Manfred thing as much as everyone wants to say it is. It's just whoever the owners want. Right. Like the reality is if like his replacement 
is Rob Manfred 2.0. That's true. And that guy's replacement is Rob Manfred 3.0. Yes. Because the players do not get any say in this, which is wild. What a wild concept that the guy who controls the players, like the players don't get to choose who it is. Yeah, there's 30 owners, there's 780 players. Yeah. Like, <laughs> people always talk about, like, oh, like this, you know, this former player, like, he's such a great leader. He could be a commissioner one day. You think the owners would ever let that happen? Absolutely not. Yeah, no. Absolutely. The owners would never let a player, or a former player, be the commissioner, someone who understands what it's like to be under the hands of the owners. Right. Exactly. Like, this is, like, this system will continue to be broken as long as. The owners are in control of who has the most power in the game. Yeah, and I mean, uh, it makes you grateful for, you know, from a player's perspective, it makes you grateful for the union because it's mm-hmm. the only it's the only voice they really have at all. Yeah, because they don't have a voice in who runs the league with the commissioner, mm-hmm. and um, you know, the owners definitely run the show as well. So yeah, it uh, it's it's obviously a very interesting and messed up situation for sure um i would want to get into hall of fame stuff but my computer's at nine percent and all uh, right we'll do that next week we can get into that next week we're already an hour 50 into it Mm -hmm. um if uh we i would definitely go more into it if the if i had like my charger here or something yeah but don't but just like throughout the course of this lockout don't don't let yourself get fooled this is like you're rooting for the players here Right, exactly, um, and I, I don't think I don't think requests are going to be too crazy from the players. It's just probably going to be like less service time required for um, free agency, uh, some minor league stuff. Um, I wonder how much say the MLBPA can have over the minor league treatment. I'm not sure because I know you, like they're signing minor league deals currently as as the MLBs in lockout, but it's like mm-hmm. they're associated with MLB, so it's confusing. I don't know. Well, the Mets, did you see the Mets like uh, unveiled like that new scoreboard yesterday? Um, no. So anyway, they 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 unveiled like this massive new scoreboard, but like there was a picture of like the Mets lineup on it, and I was like, wait, they're allowed to do that? Right. Yeah. And in in the MLB Network scroll, they have like who won MVP mm-hmm. and stuff. Probably the worst part of all this is that like the like the league can still make money on the on the players' likeness. Yeah. Like if you go to MLB.com, they're still selling jerseys of active players. Yeah, that's true. Especially you know around the holiday season, it's like, hey, we don't know this guy, but if you want to buy a Ronald Acuna jersey, <laughs> yeah, do it. Great, great player. <laughs> Money's definitely not going to us, even though we're we're not supposed to know them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's it's all very bad. It is it is very much so. So, um, this was a uh, a good quality, meaty episode, um, as we uh, as we head into the holidays. We have one yeah we'll have one more episode before Christmas comes around. We'll probably talk about the Hall of Fame stuff. Um, as uh, that'll probably be like our first or second day back home. So mm-hmm. that'll be on zoom. So go to the YouTube channel for that one. Also, it's called above replacement radio. If you want to follow us on social media, uh, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore current and follow the show Instagram at above replacement radio for all of the show needs. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode and we will, 
And we hope to see you next uh, Thursday where we're going to be talking about um, Hall of Fame stuff. Uh, you know, Probably just that. How the current BBWAA voting is going, oh, yeah. which is kind of slow. and uh, It's how, been picking itself up. How the um, – God, what was the committee called again? The um, – oh, it was the moderate – it was the uh, – uh, it was I dude I I don't remember there was the there was the Golden Days era committee, and the early baseball committee that's what it was. Okay, so how the early baseball committee and Golden Days, uh, committee ballots went. Um, so we hope to be seeing you for that episode. So we will see you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over. <laughs>